This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. What's up, Faithful? You're listening to another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. I am Brian Rennick. That is Al Sacco. It's his flu game today. Al's under the weather. Al's also being affected by the weather out there in New York. There is a windstorm. Uh, his, his power just got restored, and there's no telling if it will go out or not. So if it does, I will steer this ship into the harbor uh, at the end. But Al... Another Sunday passes, another incredibly impressive performance by Brock Purdy and the 49ers. How'd you feel about this game? Feels like it went about how we thought, but uh, but there were some 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 moments where you're just like maybe a little bit on edge. I don't know that I ever was on edge, but but how'd mm-hmm. you feel about the game? Well, to start with me, yeah, I'm battling. I've been sick like twice in the last three weeks, man. And you keep telling me this is my flu game, Brian. But the difference between <laughs> Michael Jordan and me is I'm a little bitch when I get sick. So I don't have, I would never have had that Michael Jordan moment because I would be just complaining about how shitty I feel the whole time. But I'm, listen, I'm a professional. So, so here I am. You know, this was one of those games where I feel like just most of the games with the Niners where they're better than everybody else. So even if yeah. things look a little off and they don't look like themselves, I just feel like eventually they have too much talent for most of the teams that they're going to play. And that's what this game was like. Yeah, there was some stuff on offense that was going on, and you're like, ah, they just look sort of out of whack right now. Defensively in the beginning, it looked like they missed Eric, Eric Armstead for those first couple of series. And then they yeah. just get it together because they're way more talented than the Seahawks are. And you can't yeah. stop Debo who was playing out of his mind. And you can't stop Ayuk, who is now just the fourth wide receiver in 49ers history to have back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons along with yeah. Golden, Bryson, and T.O. You can't stop Kittle, who continues to score touchdowns and, and make it 1,000 yards this year with Purdy. You can't stop McCaffrey, who may challenge Frank Gore for the most yards in the season for the 49ers rushing. And you can't stop Purdy on offense. And you can't stop Nick Bosa. And you can't stop Fred Warner. And Lenore played fantastic. So it just goes on yeah. and on and on. This team is just loaded. And in a game like this, it could have been 20 to 20 going into the fourth quarter. I'm still like, it's just a matter of time for the Niners pull ahead. And, and they just did in this game again. Yeah. And congrats to Christian McCaffrey becoming the first running back in the Kyle Shanahan 49ers era to rush for a thousand yards, uh, which is wild to me based on, you know, how successful this run game has been that there hasn't been an individual runner to run for a thousand yards under Kyle Shanahan. No. So Christian McCaffrey uh, gets that honor. And, and you talked about, you know, you, you, the the Cowboys of the '90s, right? They had the triplets, right? The the famous triplets: Emmett Smith, uh, Michael Irvin, and Troy Aikman. Or you could say Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, and um, the other guy that I can never ever remember, but he always used to burn the 49ers. Alvin Harper. Um, 
Thank you, Alvin Harper. Thank yeah. you. Um, you could even throw their their tight end in there. But this 49ers offense has uh, you know, a uh I, I guess you could call it a quartet, if you will, of of playmakers, and that is Ayuk, Samuel, Kittle, and McCaffrey. And uh <clears throat> their pace, and this is according to uh Levin Black, former uh former contributor at, at 49ers web zone uh, does that podcast right now with, with stats Guerrera uh, over on, on Rob's channel, but uh, their pace updates. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is on pace for 75 receptions, 1,405 yards and eight touchdowns. Debo Samuel's on pace for 61 receptions, a thousand and eight yards, five touchdowns, and then 220 rush yards and seven touchdowns, which is 12 touchdowns total and 1,228 yards from scrimmage. Uh, George Kittle is on pace for 69 receptions, 1,061 yards and eight touchdowns. And McCaffrey is on pace for 1,539 rushing yards, 16 rushing touchdowns, 68 receptions, 571 yards, uh, and seven receiving touchdowns, which would be 2,110 yards from scrimmage and 23 total touchdowns. Or... Just put simply, this quartet is on pace for a thousand scrimmage yards for four different players. Absurd. This offense is insanity Absurd. right now. Uh, there's not there's not a an offense in the NFL right now. You could you could you could put the Cowboys in just the conversation, but there isn't an offense operating at the level that the San Francisco 49ers offense is op- is operating right now. And it's just really fun to watch. It just really is is just so much fun to see. They're doing things at a historic level. I get NFL communications and every week after a Niners game. It's just things that you're like, like seriously? Again, they're doing this? Debo Samuel is the second player in NFL history with at least 100 receiving yards and one touchdown reception and one rushing touchdown in consecutive games, joining some guy named Timmy Brown, not Tim Brown from the Raiders, Timmy Brown, who played right. in 1960 with the Eagles. <laughs> Kittle has over 6,000 receiving yards since entering the NFL in 2017, and he's just the fifth tight end in NFL history with at least 6,000 receiving yards in his first seven career seasons. McCaffrey has 10,096 scrimmage yards and 77 scrimmage touchdowns in 88 career games and is just the sixth player in the Super Bowl era with at least 10,000 scrimmage yards and 75 scrimmage touchdowns in his first 90 games. And Purdy, uh, you can just keep going on and on and on. And on. <laughs> I, I mean, the list is keeps just getting longer and longer. This week, he's the, he has 12 games with a passer rating of 110 or higher in his career, tied with uh, Dan Marino for the third most such games. Oh, tied with his boy. His, his man, his, his idol. Uh, Purdy's the fourth quarterback in NFL history with a completion percentage of 70-plus or higher in seven consecutive games in the same season. Only Montana has more, and he has eight, so Purdy can catch him this week. It's every week they're doing historic things. The quarterback is doing historic things. The running back is doing historic things. Pick a receiver that's doing something either historic, whether it's for the franchise or, or overall. It's it's It really is just an unbelievable time to be a 49ers fan. Now, they have to finish it, and this is a team that's so good and so great that you want them to finish it and get that ring. And I do – Brian, I got to give Kyle Shanahan his flowers a little bit here. Yeah. We've been talking about the players, and rightfully so. Sure. But Kyle Shanahan, what he has done, especially in the last five years. So now he's – Niners have had four head coaches with four more seasons of 10-plus wins. 
Walsh, Seifert, Mariucci, and now now Shanahan. Um, he's also the fourth head coach to win 10-plus in at least three straight seasons for the Niners with Walsh, Seifert, and Jim Harbaugh. And if the Niners win out, or even win three out of their next four, he has 13 wins again. Mm-hmm. Niners have won 13-plus games 11 times in franchise history. So this would be the 12th time if they do it. And mm-hmm. Shanahan would have been the coach for three of those. Seifert was the coach for yeah. four, Walsh for three. Right now, Shanahan for two, Mariucci for one, and Harbaugh for one. And I understand there's a 17th game now. Everything we talk about, you have to incorporate the 17th sure. game. It's just where, where yeah. football is now. But Kyle, since, you know, we talked a lot about, or at least I did, after those first two seasons, he gets to the Super Bowl. And then I say, okay, now he's got he's to gotta start winning 10 games every year to be a, an elite coach. And they have the 2020 season, and it was mm-hmm. a weird year. It was COVID, yeah. and they had, to, they had to go to Arizona. Tons of injuries. Bosa's out. Debo's out. Kittle's out. Garoppolo's out. It was a strange mm-hmm. season. He goes 6-10. and 10. Mm-hmm. But since then, you're talking three straight years now, 10, year, 10 wins or more. He's yeah. been in the NFC Championship game the last two years. And, and since the since the start of 2019, he has a 52-27 and regular season record as a head coach. Kyle Shanahan has put himself now in the elite coach level he's not he's got to win a super bowl to be on the belichick in you know mm-hmm. tier Andy sure. Reid. but andy yeah. reed was an elite coach before he won a super bowl yes Andy reed was. was a phenomenal coach and i think shanahan is right there right now if he gets a super bowl he goes into the next stratosphere but he's one of those top five six guys right now that he's going to be the coach of this team probably for a decade a decade and he really deserves a lot of credit you know he's stubborn he's in his own way it's fine a lot of these guys are because mm-hmm. he gets it done on the field his players respond to him they're always going to have a good offense when he's in there. And what, they, what they've done with the roster and the culture of this team to keep them at perennial, not only playoff contenders, but Super Bowl contenders, he, he just deserves his flowers right now. And I feel like we talk about the players all the time, and it's well and good, and it's deserved. But I, I got to give it I got to give it up for Kyle. Oh, 100%. And one of the things I like is, you know, that list that you listed off, you said Walsh, Seifert, Mariucci, and now Shanahan. And – what I love about that is each one of those guys after Walsh can still be traced back to Walsh, which I appreciate, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Seifert was his defensive coordinator. Mariucci came up under Holmgren, who came up under Walsh. And then Shanahan, you know, his dad was Seifert's offensive coordinator when we won the Super Bowl. You know, and I'm not saying that he's, you know, a, a, a Walsh disciple, but at the same time, you know, what he did was add the outside zone to the West Coast offense which is, you know, invented by Bill Walsh. So, you know, you just love the kind of the, the history there where, you know, this, this 49ers dynasty that's and and premier franchise designation that started under Bill Walsh has been continued by guys related in some way to Bill Walsh. And I, I, I really like that. Um, yeah, this, this team is, is uh, again, it's, you start to run out of ways to describe or or superlatives to use about just how good they've been. Uh, the 49ers averaged 9.9 yards per play yesterday. They averaged a first down <laughs> every time per play. they ran a play. That's wild. That is in absolute insanity. Not only that, Brock Purdy threw for the most yards in his career on 19 completions. He w- he completed 19 passes for 300 and was it 68 yards somewhere around there? Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. 368 on 19 completions. And here's the other thing you, you brought it up that Brock Purdy now is, uh, has seven straight games of a, a completion percentage of 70% or higher. He was at 69.2% on that last possession of the game. And I remember tweeting out because I remembered exactly what you said in our preview. And I was like, man, he needs one more completion on one more attempt to get up to 70%. And he got that one. And I don't think Kyle Shanahan had any idea, but maybe he did. I don't know. Uh, But again, just the fact that he was able to get there at the end, I loved it. Um, The 49ers had 12 explosive plays uh, on Sunday against the Seahawks which is a 22.6% explosive play rate, which is the third highest of the Shanahan era. Uh, And an explosive play is either 12 yards rushing or 16 yards passing. So uh, the 49ers had on Sunday 11 plays of 20 or more yards. Of those 11, six were 30 or more, and four of them were 40 or more yards. I mean, they opened the game with a 72-yard Christian McCaffrey rush. Mm-hmm. Right. McCaffrey had 70 more yards on the ground the rest of the game. But it was it, and the funny part is we we talked about him earlier. Uh Rob Guerrera of uh well now of his own network uh tweeted out that um Pete Carroll in in the post game talked about how much time they spent in preparation leading up to this game to defend the Christian McCaffrey run that he broke for 72 yards. And on the first play of the game, he broke it for 72 yards. The one, the one running play that they spent the most time, you know, trying to figure out how to defend. And it's just like, that's just where this team is right now. And, and, you know, I I was telling you prior to recording, I said, you know, these, these post-game pods that we're doing just become, you know, just a gush fest because of, how good this team is. And, and I, I think at this point, especially with four games left and, and really Brock Purdy being in the heart of the MVP conversation, these episodes are also going to be, I said, we've got a new segment and I'm going to call it Brock talk. And it's just going to be, you know, uh, again, an opportunity to gush about what Brock Purdy is doing this season, how, how it relates to history at times. Um, And it's just wild, but, Let's start with uh, a chart that our, our buddy Akash, friend of the ep- friend of the show, um, tweeted out earlier today, and it's just a comparison between really, the, you know, you and I said this again prior to to coming on that this MVP race is really down to three people, and one of them is a non quarterback, which almost eliminates him right off the bat, and that's Tyreek Hill. Um, I think if Tyreek Hill breaks Calvin Johnson's receiving record which essentially is going to put him at 2000 yards, which has never been Mm -hmm. done before. And he does that in 16 games and not 17 games. Um, I think there's a definite conversation about Tyreek Hill being MVP. Like this would probably be the season where you get a non quarterback or a non running back really. Cause I don't know that a wide receiver, I don't know that a wide receiver has ever won an MVP award. May I have no idea. Someone might correct me, but, um, but it's Tyreek Hill and then it's Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. And when you when you look at when you break it down, right? And Akash broke this down to passing yards, passing touchdowns, interceptions, completion percentage, yards per attempt, adjusted net yards per attempt, 
passer rating, QBR, EPA per play, success rate, uh, completion percentage over expected, CPOE, um, DVOA, which is the kind of the, the holy grail of, uh, of advanced metrics. It's kind of like baseball's war. Um, and then another one that we're not going to talk about because you and I were like, we don't really understand that one too much, but DYAR. Um, but in all of those, Brock Purdy leads Dak Prescott, except for passing touchdowns. Prescott has 28, Brock has 25, and interceptions. Prescott has six, Brock has seven. Every other category, passing yards, Brock Purdy leads. Uh, completion percentage, Brock Purdy leads. Yards per attempt, Brock Purdy leads by almost two yards. It's, or sorry, by 2.1 yards, 9.9 to 7.8. And that 7.8 puts Dak fourth. So it's not like Dak is far down. He's fourth. That's just how much more Brock has, has, has yards per attempt than, than even the next guy. The next guy is Tua, who still has a game to play tonight, but he's still more than a yard, uh, a yard more than Tua. And, and more specifically than that, that 9.9 yards is now the highest uh, the highest yards per attempt in NFL history on a minimum of 300 attempts, tying Kurt Warner at 9.9. So now, granted, Brock still has four games to play, and, and that number could either go up or down. But as mm-hmm. it currently stands, with a minimum of, of 400 or sorry, a minimum of 300 attempts. Uh, Brock Purdy uh, is now tied with uh, Kurt Warner uh, with uh, the most yards per attempt uh, in a season at 9.9. Not only that, but uh, he leads in adjusted net yards per attempt. He's at 9.3. The next closest again is Tua, who still has to play at at 8.1. Um, the best adjusted net yards per attempt numbers in NFL history, number one, 2004, Peyton Manning at 9.78. Number two is 2011, Aaron Rodgers at 9.39. Both of those seasons ended in MVPs. And number three is 2023, Brock Purdy at 9.33. away from Aaron Rodgers. Brock Purdy still has an opportunity to get to second. I don't know that he's going to get to... Peyton Manning at an ungodly 9.78. That's unbelievable, but still. Um, and and you're talking about him with Peyton Manning. Think about right, that. Right. These and are then elite, and, elite, the elite of the elite. Yeah. And and the one that I loved is uh, highest passer rating in NFL history through the first 500 attempts. Number one, Brock Purdy at 113.8. Number two, Patrick Mahomes at 103.9. That's how much higher Brock Purdy has been through his first 500 attempts than any other player in NFL history. Number two being Pat Mahomes, who we often talk about as possibly one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen play. Number three, uh, Aaron Rodgers at 103.6. So again, what Brock Purdy is doing is not just impressive for 2023, it's historically impressive and it's just so much, so much fun to be a part of. So he's got 359 pass attempts this year. That's 22nd. Joe yep. Burrow has more pass attempts than him and Bur- Burrow's played three less games and he was injured for part of one of them. 22nd and he is currently second in the NFL 
in passing yards. Tua will most likely eclipse him tonight, so he'll be third. That's incredible, incredibly efficient, all-time yeah. efficient. And when I'm watching this game mm-hmm. the other day, here's what I thought. When he hit that throw to Debo, the 54-yarder, which was just a beautiful, gorgeous. beautiful throw. Gorgeous. I mean, just beautiful. That's what's been missing for this team, and that's the difference now. They can play clunky because they looked a little clunky at first, mm-hmm. and then they hit that throw, and boom, they're off and running. Boom, they scored just like that. They couldn't do that in the past with Kyle Shanahan and that. It's no. been a really long time with anybody. So it was always death by a thousand paper cuts. So you get these games where, where it is clunky and it's 20 to 13. It's 17 to 13 late in the third quarter, early in the fourth. And there's margin for error. Because of that, they lose some of these games that, that they maybe should have won in, in the past. Now they can do the quick strike. They can score from mm-hmm. anywhere in the field at any time. And that was not the case until Purdy became the quarterback. You'd have some yak stuff where guys could break it, where Debo could catch a screen and, and take it to the house. But in terms of the downfield passing game, it was not there until Purdy came. And Purdy is now, you I don't you read me some stats earlier. Mm-hmm. His downfield passing game, best in the mm-hmm. NFL. It's not close. Yes, yeah. we've seen it in a long time, and it's not close. And those aren't those aren't. The, the length of the completions where he threw three yards. No, this is him throwing 20 plus yards down the field. Best we've seen. Yeah. He, he currently leads the NFL in deep pass completion percentage, which Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019 led the NFL in that stat, but he was wildly, wildly behind anybody else in terms of attempts. So that was more, that was less about efficiency and more about, you know, he's he's taking advantage of the few times that he does it. Brock Purdy leads the NFL in deep passing percentage. But he also leads the NFL in 20 plus yard attempts at 61. He's tied with CJ Stroud. So not only does he lead, but he does so because he's doing it often. Right. Like he's throwing mm-hmm. downfield more than anybody else in the NFL, except for CJ Stroud, who's tied with him. Uh, and we're talking again, 20 plus yards down the field. If you break that to 30 and 40, he leads in those categories as well. So, you know, again, I don't know where this narrative comes from uh, because it's imaginary at this point, but this narrative that Brock Purdy is, is a check down merchant and that he, you know, it, it only has these numbers because of yards after the catch. The reality is, is that's not the case at all. Uh, there isn't an, a quarterback in the NFL who throws more often deep down the field right now than Brock Purdy does. And not only does does he lead in attempts, but he leads in completion percentage. The kid is just playing out of his mind. And I mean, I, I at this point, I, I just don't. There isn't an uh, any good faith argument against his candidacy for MVP. And. And again, if the guy that he's <laughs> that he's going against is a guy that he faced already in the season and his team won 42 to 10, that's a again another feather uh in his cap. And so obviously we need to see how the last four games of the season go. Yeah. Uh, you know, for Dallas has has a significantly dip, more difficult schedule than than the 49ers do. Uh the 49ers face the Cardinals, then the Ravens, then the Commanders, and then the Rams at home. Uh, Dallas still has to play Buffalo. They still have to play uh, Detroit and they still have to play Miami, I think, right? w- and they still have to play Miami. Yeah. Okay. So again, if 
a significantly more difficult straight uh, slate for them. And if they win all those games and Dak looks great, then that's probably going to sew it up for him. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think so. I don't too. know. I point. think I think the voters would kind of go that way. Um, but you know, yeah. we talked to Peter King, and Peter said Purdy was the leader in the clubhouse for him right now. So, so who knows? Right. What else is scary about this team? I feel like all oh, we're talking about the offense and the defense has been really good too. But there's just so much to talk about with the offense. Debo Samuel is 2021 Debo Samuel again. That yeah. should terrify the rest yep. of the NFL because we've been talking. Look. Ayuk's playing great. Kittle's back. McCaffrey's McCaffrey. We have a quarterback, but Debo hasn't been the same dude. He had a down year last year, even by his own admission. And early this season, he he battled injuries. He was beat up, mm -hmm. and then he got hurt. He only had one touchdown going into week nine. A lot of that was because it was because of injuries. Just one 100-yard game. But since coming back from the bye, he's got, oh, God, how many touchdowns does he have? Four, seven, seven touchdowns. Yeah. And he's got – he leads the NFL in receiving since week 11. And in the last two weeks, he has been out of his mind. Absolutely out of his mind. Against Philadelphia, four catches, a buck 16, two touchdowns, three carries, 22 yards, and another score. Against Seattle, seven catches, 149 yards, and a touchdown. And then he had another one-yard touchdown. So five touchdowns in the last two games. He looks like he shot out of a cannon. I loved the way he made um, – his name Adam. What's the safety? Jamal name? Adams. Jamal Adams. There it is. Just looked like he was, in, <laughs> his feet were in concrete. Yeah. Just flew right by him. It was just, I mean, made him look terrible. Debo's on another level right now. And if he's on that level with the rest of the guys, I, I just, I don't see how you could stop this team. Well, and what I loved about specifically that touchdown, right? And again, this comes a little bit back to the Brock Purdy conversation. Debo Samuel in his post game press conference. And and you, if you watch that play, you can see that he gets to Adam's level and he's not, he, he starts to throttle down because on that play, he's the last read. He's the last read on that play. There's, I believe, four routes. He's the last read. And so they've run that play many times before. Debo has never gotten the ball. And you can see him start to slow down. All of a sudden, he hits that second gear because he sees that the ball is coming. And that's because Brock Purdy went through his progressions. And when Jamal Adams took, he and Purdy, Purdy talked about it in his postgame as well, when Adams took two steps forward to come uh, to start to defend, I believe it was uh, Christian McCaffrey on a, um, I believe it was on a, a deep in. He takes those two steps, Purdy recognizes it, and just heaves it to Debo because he knows that Debo now has a step on him. That is, again, not a not a throw that, that other quarterbacks in this offense would have even attempted mm -mm. because either A, they weren't getting to that progression fast enough, right, the last read on the play, or B, just not trusting the, the pocket or, or whatever the case may be. This is exactly what this kid has brought to this offense. It has elevated the offense. I don't I don't like that that phrase elevating the offense because it's like it's just like a pithy phrase like what does that mean like quantify that for me right because that tends to be a lot of the argument for well Brock Purdy doesn't elevate the offense Dak Prescott elevates his offense and I want to be like okay then tell me how show me like if if that's your argument tell me tell me why because I have things that I can point to about how Brock Purdy has elevated this offense and we talked about him last week 
You talk mm-hmm. about big, uh, big throw or big time throw percentage, right? You talk about deep completion percentage. You talk about deep passing attempts, right? These are all significantly higher with Brock Purdy running the offense than Jimmy Garoppolo or any other quarterback that Kyle Shanahan has had in San Francisco. So yes, Brock Purdy is elevating this offense and there are things that you can point to. So point me to those things when you argue that for Dak Prescott. And I just don't think that people can. And it's just because again, they cannot contextualize what it is that Brock Purdy is doing. And it's because he looks the way that he looks. I don't know if you saw his post game uh, or his pregame and post game uh, outfit, but I mean, he's given off, he's given off Kirk Cousins vibes like mad. Um, and he maybe that's part of man. Yeah. And maybe he, well, and that's, I mean, let's be honest, you know, he's, he's, he's not even making now most of us don't, but he's not even making a million dollars a year. Right. But he has to live in Santa Clara. He has to have a roommate. Like, you know, he's, he is, <laughs> he is shopping with Cole's cash, but you know what? Hey, good for him. But, um, you know, I, I think just people have a hard time with it they just have a hard time understanding how this guy could fall to the last pick in the draft and be this good obviously there's got to be a reason because if he was this good he would have gone earlier and it's just a the reality is is scouting is an inexact science and people are going to miss and people are going to miss on those that they draft in the first round and they're going to miss on people that they could have drafted earlier because they're a lot better than than what we anticipated and that's that's where Brock Purdy is right now. And, and you know, like you said, we concentrate on the offense and, and rightfully so because it's the offense that has been historically good. But let's remember this defense now leads the NFL in points per game allowed. It, it does. Again, and one way thing, one more thing I, I thought, I thought, I thought this was really interesting before we get to the defense. In yeah. Matt Ryan's 2016 MVP season, which was mm-hmm. under Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. He threw for four, this is 16 games, but he threw for 4,944 yeah. yards, 38 TDs. 69.9% completion, 117.1 rating, QBR of 79.6 and ERs per attempt at 9.3. I mean, that's an all-time season. That's yeah. a phenomenal year. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yep. Purdy this year, and it is a 17-game projection, mm-hmm. 4,646 yards, 33 touchdowns, 70.2% completion, 116.9 rating, 74.7 QBR, 9.9 yards per attempt. Pretty similar. Pretty, pretty similar pretty to what similar. you're seeing. Yep. That Matt Ryan year was always, always said peak Kyle Shanahan, right? If you ever got yeah. that, oh my God, they're yep. pretty close to it right now, right now with him. Yeah, Absolutely. this defense, you know, Nick Bosa's up to nine and a half sacks now for the slow start and everything else. He, he's getting his stats. And third all time as a 49er now. No, Bosa? No, he's uh, yeah. seventh. Pretty sure he's seventh. Do you <laughs> count? Hold on. It might be, but they put – so they used to not count sacks until 1981 on Pro Football Reference. Oh, okay. And now they do, and I have it up. So let's let's take a look at it and see. Because I was looking at yeah. it the other day, and I thought there was a dude who was first, and I was like, who the hell is that guy? Yeah, okay. So Cedric Harmon played for the team from 1970 to 1979 before stats were official, but they have him at 109 right now. Okay. 108. I'm you... sorry, 108. Okay. Because what I saw so, was Bryant Young was number one in whatever list I saw. And that okay, was you might be right Bosa, based on that. Had Bosa at three. So we got Bryant Young 89.5, Tommy Hart, mm-hmm. who again before it was official, 72.5, mm-hmm. Charles Haley, 66.5. That's so I so, saw I saw Young, Haley, and then Bosa. Dwayne Board, 
Oh, they must not count as 79 stats through 81. He's 61. Charlie Kruger again before 54. So yeah, Bosa, yeah. if you're talking when stat became official, yeah, you're right. Right. 52.5. And he just passed Mod Brooks, who just got six sacks every year for like yeah. 10 years with the Niners. But um, yeah, it's amazing how quickly he's climbing up. And he's going to be, you know, before it's all said and done, he's probably going to be the leader for the Niners um, in that regard. Oh, yeah. So he's just he's yeah. just been an amazing no player. I was a little concerned when Ward went out. I was concerned in the beginning because Seattle was moving the ball. The mm-hmm. touchdown to Metcalf, that was just a phenomenal throw by luck i mean yeah. every thomas had good had good coverage there yep. he just fit it right in it was kind of like one of those things where i'm like what are you gonna do like there's nothing he had good coverage the ball just went mm-hmm. where his hand wasn't but they were mm-hmm. running the ball charbonnet had a had a couple big carries and i'm like shit they miss armstead is this gonna mm-hmm. hurt them and then ward goes out all right oliver's in is this gonna snowball what's gonna happen but it didn't and they played great and one of the reasons is, is demo lenore in coverage yeah. against Seattle, so we had 41 snaps in coverage, uh, 86.3 PFF cover grade, 10 yards allowed on five targets, two forced incompletions, two pass breakups, and a rating of 47.9. So this is from PFF. So he played a phenomenal game. Played like a number mm-hmm. one corner with, with with Ward out. Ambry Thomas, I, I just again, I can't say enough good things about the guy coming yeah. out of nowhere. And then you have, you know, the, the stars doing stars things. Fred Warner looking really good. And. Bosa played well. So the Niners on defense, they're really starting to kind of just get their legs underneath them. The front looks like the front. If they can stay like this and keep holding teams to under 20 points, <laughs> the Niners aren't going to lose many games, man. They're going to be tough because to beat, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you have a defense like this and an offense like this, it's fun to watch. And again, we, we gave Kyle Shanahan his flowers. Got to give Steve Wilkes credit, too. Whatever he was doing wrong, Whatever the issues were, he took a look in the mirror clearly at the bye and said, okay, how, how can I make this better? He wasn't one of those guys who was like, well, this is my system. This is what I do. He clearly said, yeah. all right, I got to make some adjustments here. We may have to change some personnel, whatever. And he did it, and, and good for him. And now, like you said, this defense is top of the league again. Yeah, I would uh, I would like to give my rose to Javon Kinlaw. I would like to, to just give him some flowers here because – from 2000 or from 2020 when he was drafted uh to 2022 he played 939 snap 939 snaps he had 30 pressures one and a half sacks and four pass breakups in 2023 alone he's played 319 snaps he has 27 pressures two and a half sacks three pass breakups and a 76.3 pass rush grade uh from PFF which is the highest in his career so Kinlaw seems to finally be fully healthy and and is producing uh at a level that the 49ers thought that he could when they you know when they made him a first round draft pick in 2020 uh good for Kinlaw because you know I, I think I do think that they missed Armstead which by the way Kinlaw came into uh or Kinlaw's pregame outfit when he was coming into the stadium he was wearing an Armstead jersey which I was like that's awesome but uh but I, I think they at initially missed Armstead, but then Kinlaw stepped it up and 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 really played in a, in a way that mirrors a lot of what uh, Eric Armstead brings to this defensive line. So kudos to Javon Kinlaw for you know enduring a, a very I would assume frustrating first three years in the NFL due to injuries and is is really playing well in in 2023 
you know, the 49ers did not pick up his fifth-year option, so he will be a free agent at the end of this year. It'll be interesting to see if they, you know, do anything to try and bring him back. Uh, they've got Brandon Ayuk to pay. They've possibly got Chase Young to pay. We'll see, you know, kind of how that goes. But kudos to Kinlaw for um, playing really well in a season that is important for him and, and his future career. And then also wanted to uh, highlight Jair Brown. Um, since taking over as the full-time starter for Hufunga midway through week 11, he has an 81 point or 80.1 coverage grade uh, from PFF, which is seventh among safeties. He has two interceptions, which is tied for first uh, among safeties. And he also has two uh, pass breakups uh, out of eight total targets. And uh, he has six defensive stops, which is tied for fifth among safeties as well. So Jair Brown has come in and much like Brock Purdy, the, the, it, nothing seems too big for him. He had, he had one blown coverage in that game in week 11 when he came in. Uh, but outside of that, he's played really, 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 really well. Um, and then last, but certainly not least, we got to bring up Mitch Wisnowski, uh as one of my favorite, one of my favorite movies as a kid, uh, football movies was necessary roughness. And uh, there's uh, <laughs> Rob Schneider is the announcer uh, for a, a fictional college football team. And there is an Australian player on there. And at one point in the movie, he's he's running down the field and he goes, there goes the little Australian rugger. And so that's exactly what I yelled as Mitch Wisnowski is running, uh, called his own number on the fake punt. But not only did he call his own number, but he got up to 20 miles per hour. On the he was stack. flying, man. He was flying. If so, Ronnie hey, Belden had fall down, that would have been uh, one of and the plays of the year. That's what sucks dude. is that you can't even blame Bell for that penalty. Yeah, he, he just, just literally fell, slipped. Yeah. It just sucks. But yeah, kudos to Mitch Wisnowski, who has had uh, a Pro Bowl level year as a punter in terms of pinning yeah. pinning teams deep, and and now you throw in you know a twenty mile per hour run, and we've also seen him you know use the hit stick every once in a while on punt returns. So uh, you know. They've got a fourth round punter and a third round kicker. And a lot of people like to make fun of that, but uh, at the very least that Mishwishnowski pick has, has paid dividends. Uh, and uh, he's, he's a fun guy to have on the team. You know, going back to Armstead too, did you catch the video that the team did for him? Yes, it was awesome. He got, yeah. So Armstead got nominated for his fourth Walter Payton man of the year. Because Is it fourth straight? Community. Um, so not sure. I know, at not sure. I, know at I know he has four of them. Yeah, and I know he was last year, so at least it's two years straight. But yeah, yeah, what what he does is as good as he is on the field. What he does in the community, e even better. And you could see how much the team did a video about him and talked talked about him and what he means to them and everything like that. Yeah, you know, and he got emotional. Some players got emotional. You could see how much he means to the locker room, how yeah. much he means to the 49ers. and he means a lot to them. So maybe you can't see that because it's in the locker room, the fans don't see it. Right. And you always can't see it on the stat sheet. He's not a guy who's going to get 10 sacks. But when he's not there, you know, the pocket's not getting pushed back. You 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 notice when he's not there, yeah. the results on the field. So he means so much to the 49ers in a lot of ways. And I hope the narrative that he's overpaid or he doesn't deserve money or whatever it is, I hope that narrative is, is gone now. And fans understand yeah. what he means on and off the field. And maybe we get him to a Pro Bowl this year. Maybe the fans can go out and vote and, and get him to his first yeah. Pro Bowl because he deserves it, man. He's he's going to go down as as 
a 49er that people look back on and we're like, yeah, he was a real 49er. I'm a Yankee mm-hmm. fan. They always talk about real, real, real Yankees, right? <laughs> yeah. Eric Armstead is a real 49er. And I think people are going to look back and appreciate him. Well, and, and what I loved about that video is one of the prominent interviewees was Randy Gregory, who hasn't even been here a full season. Yeah, and the, the way that Randy Gregory talked about Eric Armstead, I, I was like genuinely touched. And, you know, obviously I, I, I mean, outside of one of the things that I appreciate about Eric Armstead is he's from the Sacramento area, which is where I live. And a lot of what he does is for the Sacramento area in terms of, of his charity work and things like that. So just, just for, as a community member, I appreciate Eric Armstead on that level, but you could tell, like you said, how important he is to that defensive line room. He's the elder statesman in the room. He's the longest tenured 49er in that room, but like I said, Randy Gregory, who came midseason, talking so glowingly about Eric Armstead and the and and not only just about him, but the about what Eric Armstead means to Randy Gregory. And Chase Young was in that video as well. And Chase Young has been here for what five weeks, and he talked, you know, was able mm-hmm. to talk in a way that you're like, man, Eric Armstead has had a profound impact on on these guys in the locker room as well. And you just love to see it. And, uh, you know, I, I quote tweeted Eric Armstead's pro bowl thing. And I said, Hey, let's get him the honor. He won't be able to play in the game, but let's get him the be honor. busy. Yeah. He'll be busy, busy, but, but let's get him the honor because he hasn't received that honor yet. And, uh, 49er fans are, are pretty, pretty engaged on Twitter. So let's, uh, let's get this, uh, let's get this man a, a pro bowl nod. Uh, along with you know the majority of this team because let's be perfectly honest this is a a team loaded with pro bowlers just loaded with them All right, before we get out of here I, I got to address this chiefs thing dude with with the penalty <laughs> in Mahomes and Andy Reid out after the game listen for those who may not know and I'm sure everybody listening to the show knows what happened so Kadarius Tony lined up offsides dude literally you could not see the football like, yeah, he was clearly not lined up the way he was supposed to. So the ref throws a flag, but on the play, Mahomes completes a, a pass to Kelsey, who runs a little while, throws a lateral to Tony. Tony scores what would have been the go-ahead touchdown against the Bills. There's still a minute and change left. The Bills could have come back, but it looked like the go-ahead touchdown. But it wasn't because the play never really happened because Tony was lined up offsides and the refs threw the flag. So Mahomes was pissed, really pissed. It looked like he was going after the ref at the end of the game. And they had last week, too, uh, against the Packers. Looked like it should have been a pass interference call on Green Bay that didn't get called. You know, they don't they don't get that call. So Mahomes has been frustrated this season. His receivers are dropping everything. They're eight and five. Maybe everything is boiled over. But Mahomes is after the game talking about how, you know what, like the refs, they got to let us play. And if if they should have told Tony he was lined up and gave him a chance to to get in the right spot, that's what they normally do. And Andy Reid came out and said it was an embarrassment that they threw the flag. Here's my thought on this. If you listen to the show, you know nobody dislikes the refs more than me. And I think at the <laughs> end of games, they need to keep their flag in their pocket. I, I, I Unless it's an obvious foul, I think you need to let them play. I completely Which agree with was. that. <laughs> However, right, there was this wasn't a, a holding call that you're like, ah, did he hold them? Or a pass interference where you say, wow, that was ticky-tack. He was just lined up off sides. It was the most cut and dry thing. I, what do you want the guy to do? not not throw the flag just because there, there could be a, there could be a 
legendary play that could happen? No. Like, I didn't think I would ever defend a referee, but he did his job. He threw the flag. He didn't know that that, that, that play was going to happen. So Mahomes is out there crying about it, and Reed is out there crying about it. And I'm thinking to myself, there's been no team other than the Patriots in, in, in their run that has been more fortunate lately than the Chiefs. Yeah. I'll give you an example. In their two Super Bowls, there are a lot of reasons why, why the Chiefs have won two titles. But they've also had calls go their way that have helped them win those titles. They have had fortunate calls. The Niners Super Bowl. And this is not a Niners fan complaining. This is just the facts of the matter. And I'm going to defend Philadelphia, too. Holding they held the Nick Niners. Bosa. They held the, the entire game. They held Nick Bosa, the Niners, the entire game. And you know what? If you're going to let it go on both sides and you're not going to call anything, fine. I don't give a shit. But you better not throw one flag if you're going to let that happen. Again, unless it's pass interference and someone literally gets tackled or something ridiculous. Yeah. But to end the first half of that Super Bowl, they called an offensive pass interference call on George Kittle on a play that definitely – I think would have at least been three points for the 49ers. It was momentum changing play. Did Kittle extend his arm? Sure. Yeah, he probably did. But if you're not calling it the entire game, why do you randomly call it there? So the Chiefs were very fortunate. And on that Wasp play where Mahomes hits Tyreek Hill down the field, if you watch that replay, Nick Bosa is like, there's like, looks like they're slow dancing with him. Like he's got arms all over him and everything else. Literally inside his sleeve, holding onto his... His, and it's uh, obvious. Bosa's yeah. like got his arms out and everything yeah. else. So you did a lot of things to win that Super Bowl, Chiefs, but you also got the benefit of the calls in that Super Bowl. Fast forward, and I'm not even bringing up regular season shit and everything else that's happened in the playoffs and everything else. Just talking about the Super Bowls. End of the game, they call holding, and I forgot I forgot who the Eagles corner was, but against Juju Smith-Schuster, where it looked like he kind of glazed the back of his lower his the Smith-Schuster's mm-hmm. lower back. Not an obvious holding call. Not something you call at that point in the game, which essentially sealed the Super Bowl and assured that Jalen Hurts was not going to go go back the other way and have a chance to win the game because the Chiefs were able to run out the clock and win. Now, Mahomes talked about you want to see what's what happens. You want to let it play out on the field. Well, that didn't happen to the Eagles. <laughs> so call it yeah. both ways. Like, I understand you're frustrated, but based on what you guys have been given from the officials or have not called whatever you want to put it, shut up, man. Just shut up. Be like, you know what? Yeah. Like, I'm pissed. This is what I thought they should have done. But but you know what? We've gotten calls, too. It's gone both ways. And if you want to say the officiating sucks, I agree with you. But in that situation, it was the most cut and dry thing in the world. So why are you out there crying? And Andy Reid did the same thing. It was such a bad look for both of them. And maybe it's just their frustrations coming through. But holy shit, man. Are you? <laughs> I was like, I listen to him. I'm like, are you kidding me? With everything that's happened to you? in the past three or four years with all the calls you've gotten with the benefit of the officials that you've gotten, you're out here saying this, give me a break. I I thought it was a joke. Well, and, and one of the things they said was like, we line up like that often. We did it in that game and it never got called. And it's like, that's like, that's like me going on a 300 mile. Like I, I, let's just say I'm driving home from Disneyland, right? Let's say 400 miles. And 15 miles from home, I get pulled over because I'm speeding and the cop comes up to the window and I'm like, why'd you pull me over? Well, because you were speeding. Yeah, but I've been speeding for all 385 (laughs) miles that I was driving before now and I didn't get pulled over. So why am I getting pulled over now? Just because you were breaking the rules before and it didn't get called doesn't mean that 
getting it called now is a bad thing. Like it just, and not only that, but Tony didn't check in with the official, right? There's video and it shows him, look at the official point, but he wasn't even set yet. And he didn't even wait for the official to tell him, yeah, you're good. And then you see him look to the right at the ball. If you cannot tell that you are in front of the ball, that's on you. Like, don't be a dumbass. Like, what? I just like what are I just the fact that they're crying like this is 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 wild to me. And it feels like it feels like it's beneath them. And that's why it's so right. shocking. Cause it's like, come on, you guys. Like, let's let's pull it together. And like you said, they have been they have one hundred percent benefited from some ticky tack calls that went their way. And not only that, but they had their season ended in 2018 when D Ford lined up offsides against the yep. Patriots and it got called and they ended up losing that game and they didn't complain then. So why are we complaining now? It just, it's, it's lame. And uh, has the officiating been God awful in the NFL this year? It's terrible. hundred yeah, percent. Terrible. Do they need to address it some way? Absolutely. Will they, they will not. And it's right. time to move forward. <laughs> This wasn't a case where it really needed to no. be addressed. It wasn't no. a cut and dry thing. Nope. Not at all. You know, if again, Not if they called all. an OPI on Kelsey where he kind of brushed his hand against the defender, I'd say, yeah, you should be pissed and you should be screaming at the official because right. enough of that shit. But for this, I, I, I mean, come on. Come on. Especially as a Niners fan. To, <laughs> I'm, maybe I'm just a little yeah. over it. I don't know. But it just yeah. is what it is. So Miss me as a Niners fan with your complaints about, yeah. give me a, <laughs> about give me the officials. Break. Give me a break. But it's, you know, officials aren't against your team or they aren't for another team. They're just incompetent. They just suck. So they're not, dude, they're not trying to help the Chiefs over the years. They're just, they're just bad at their jobs. They weren't trying to help the Patriots over the years. They're just, they're just bad at their jobs. Yeah. So just the way things work out, but I don't know. All right, Brian, I gotta go take some medicine and go to sleep. Do it. Feel better. We will be back later this week to preview. Uh, the next the next installment of Bird Gauntlet 2023. Uh, the 49ers play five straight games against uh, teams with bird up mascots. They went Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks. Next up is the Cardinals looking to go 4-0. And then that epic Ravens matchup on Christmas Day. But just like the 49ers, we cannot overlook that Cardinals team. So we'll go over that later this week. But until then... For Al Sacco and his flu game, I'm Brian Rennick. Later. Nine zero three. One zero three. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 